Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, good morning, River of Life. Well, I want to take a moment before we jump into the Word this morning. I want to mention a couple of things to you. First of all, if you were here during church chat, you know that we have three Easter gatherings that are going to take place this year. Can I tell you, last year we had to do Easter online. This year we're going to be in the house. So uh, so we want you to, we've got these amazing cards that uh, Alpha Graphics printed up for us. And so would you just grab a few of these, bring these with you. You can invite people from work, from your neighborhood your family, and that gives you all the information about uh, what we're going to be doing for Easter weekend. We're super excited to have you participate with us in that, and we're just excited to see what God's going to do. Amen? Amen. I want to take a few moments also, and I just want to welcome those who are watching in Star Valley, Wyoming this morning as they're watching live with us today. We just want to tell you that our hearts are with you. You are part of the River of Life family, and we're just excited to see what God's going to do in that valley. We've got some exciting news that's coming up. Uh, there and also those who will be watching in Malawi later in the week. We are just grateful that we have a church family that even though we are separated by miles, we are not separated in that we are family. Amen? Amen. 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 Will you give them a round of applause? Well, I was here yesterday and it was really amazing to watch all of the ministries leave from this place. We had the food bank was going, the clothing closet was happening, and then our Hands of Hope was out, and they were not only delivering furniture, but can I tell you, the word is out. So we have, we have uh, furniture that was being donated by a hotel in town because they heard about what we were doing, and I just it's amazing to me that warehouse that we have that normally has furniture was getting way depleted, and all of a sudden, guess what? God, right? Amen. He steps in. And now, now that thing is stocked full once again. And um, it's just really cool to be a part of what God's doing. Amen? And just like Jimmy said a minute ago, if you haven't found your place to serve, make sure that you do that. Even if you come and try some things out, there's no pressure. You don't, you're not going to get like, they're not going to make you sign a contract if you decide to show up and help for a weekend. They just would love for you to come out and at the very least see what they're doing. And, and we had people show up yesterday who had never done Hands of Hope yesterday, and they were uh, up until yesterday, and they were so blessed and just talking about how they want to participate uh, regularly. So we're excited about that. Amen? Amen. Well, we're in a series that we called Last Kingdom, and if you've been with us over the last few weekends, you know that we've just been talking about this idea that the world right now seems a little bit crazy, to be honest with you. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. I was talking to my cousin who pastors in, uh, in Canada and he was telling me that right now it is for them illegal to have people come into their home that are not the people that live in their home. So people are literally sneaking people into their houses right now because they could get into trouble with the law. There's a pastor not too far from where he is who they opened up for church and there's very strict guidelines as to how you can do that. And so they opened up for church and they didn't follow the guidelines exactly. That pastor has been in jail for a month because of it. I'm not talking about some crazy far off country. I'm talking about just north of the border from where we are right now. 
And so I'm telling you that not because I want to invoke fear in you, but what I want you to understand is the times that we live in, they're getting crazy. And I hate to break it to you, but they're only going to get crazier. But this, ser- this sermon series is about that idea because what we need to understand is that there will be a kingdom that will outlast all other kingdoms. That the kingdom of God will stand. There is no threat to the kingdom of God. There is nothing that can take it out. There's nothing that can change the course of human history. I'll tell you right now, the book tells us the end of the story, and we win. So if you've been with us these last few weekends, you know that we've been just talking about this idea because I want to encourage you to be reminded of the fact that that Adam, when he came, he handed over the keys to the earth, and Jesus came, and we'll be celebrating that in a few weekends. But when he came, he took back what had been stolen, and, and because of that, he said, I want the kingdom of God to be now. So last weekend, we talked about that idea because oftentimes we get into this mindset that the kingdom of God is someday, but that's not what the Bible says. The kingdom of God is here and now. Why? Because it's in us. We are the ones that are to bring the kingdom of God wherever we go. And so last week we talked about this idea of you've got to choose what kingdom you're going to be in. Because many of us, especially in Western culture, we choose on this day that we're going to be in this kingdom. And now it's Saturday or Sunday. And so we kind of like church and Jesus seems all right. And we tolerate the bald guy. And so we're in this kingdom now. And I'm telling you right now that that is a horrible way to live your life. God is calling us to deeper than that. He wants us to be in a place where we put ourselves fully into his kingdom because he has amazing things for you. So today I want to remind you about the kingdom's benefits. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, it says, The kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. God, in the next few moments, we look at, as we look at your word, Father, illuminate it for us. And God, I know that there are people from all different places in their journey with you that are in this place today and that are watching online and that are in Star Valley and the North Slope of Alaska and in Malawi. And God, we're all in different places. But the one thing that I know is that you're calling all of us, wherever we are, deeper. You're calling us closer. You're drawing us near. As things will get crazy, God, I pray that we will make a determination as to what kingdom we live in. That, God, we don't want to be lukewarm. We don't want to be in a position where we try to have it both ways, but that we are who you've called us to be. And we give you all the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Christians have lost sight of the kingdom benefits. And so I want to take a few moments today, and I want to talk a little bit about that. It was just over a year ago that we hired Seth and Ramona to come and be our worship pastors here at River of Life, and we have been so blessed that they have been part of our team. Amen? Man, worship was anointed this morning. Uh, When they came, one of the things that we did, though, is we sat down with them, and if you've ever been hired at a job, you may think that it's completely different at a church, you know, that we, uh, you know, we, we just sit around and sing worship music together and and uh, hold hands, and it's, it's still a job. So we have to sit down, and we have to talk about things like benefits. So we sat down with them. We said, hey, here are the benefits that we are offering to you, and those, you know, some medical stuff, some other stuff that, that came in a package. How many of you have received a benefit package from wherever you work? Okay, two of you. So the rest of you are in a lot of trouble. Um, so we sat down with them, and we, we had this conversation, and in that, we said, these things are available to you. 
Now, if in the course of this last year, they had needed to bring little Archie to the doctor or they had an issue that they had to deal with, and they said, you know what? We know that Jason sat down with us and he told us these are the benefits that are available to us, but you know what? We don't really feel like using those. So instead, when we go to the doctor and we could turn the bill in and get it paid, instead, we're just going to write a check and pay for it ourselves because that just seems like a better idea. I mean, you know, we'd be rethinking who we hired as our worship pastor and his wife because the benefits are there. So you should utilize the benefits that are there. So as I was thinking about that idea, I realized that for many of us as believers, we don't either understand the benefits of the kingdom of God or we are choosing not to walk in the benefits of the kingdom of God. So I want us to look in John chapter 14, verse 11. It says this, believe me, I am in my father and my father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see. These works, the person who trusts in me, will not only do what I am doing, but even greater things. Because I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You can count on it. From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I am doing, I'll do it. That's how the Father will be seen for who he is in the Son. I mean it. Whatever you request in this way, I'll do. Now, this is a serious challenge. And as we look at this verse, what I want you to understand is we're going to take a little bit of time this morning, and I'm going to explain to you the benefits package. Because oftentimes when we think about our relationship with Christ or we think about our faith journey, many times what we think about is the things that we can't do. Well, I'm a Christian, so I can't do that. And I'm a Christian, and I can't be a part of that. No. When we choose to live in the kingdom of God, there are benefits. But for many of us, we don't even understand or we don't believe or we don't want. For whatever it is, we don't live in those benefits. So let's look at this verse for just a moment. Jesus is saying, listen, you've seen the great works that I've done, but I'm telling you right now, greater works you can do. Now, See, that's even hard to say amen to because that's a little overwhelming, right? Like we read the Gospels and we're like, man, Jesus, everywhere he goes, he's like, hey, blind guy, you can see. Hey, deaf guy, you can hear. Hey, this, you know, everywhere he goes, dead guy, you're alive. I mean, like, so when he says greater, that's not exactly how we did it, but it's the Jason Tawn version of it, but, but we see, we hear that and we go, greater, how can you be greater? But he said it. So we got to stop there for a moment. Because either we believe him or we don't believe him. I told you two weeks ago when we talked about that Jesus came and he had to live a perfect exist, existence so that he could be the perfect sacrifice, so that he could, he, could, he could be the sacrifice for our sin. He had to be perfect. Hollywood will try and make him not perfect because they can't deal with it. But I'm telling you right now, he was perfect. There was no sin in him when he hung on that cross. So he's not a liar. So that means he made this statement, and he's saying, listen, I'm not a liar. I'm telling you the truth. And the truth is that if you'll believe in me and you'll put yourself firmly in my kingdom, then when you do that and you align what you're asking for with who I am, you'll do greater things than I did. Man, that's, that's hard. <laughs> It sounds amazing, but it also sounds hard. And so for many of us, we go, okay, that's a benefit of the kingdom of God, but it scares me, so I'm just not really even going to try and tap into that. 
And we're going to talk about that this morning because I think there's something so vital. What if we began to truly understand our place in the grand scheme of things? What if we realized our true identity in Christ? You see, when we begin to truly acknowledge our adoption into the kingdom of God, most likely what it'll end up doing is, well, for a while it'll make us feel intimidated. It's intimidating. Like when I read that verse, we go, yay, wait a second, what does that mean? Right? Oh, that sounds, oh, I don't know. How do you do that? How do we do greater than what Jesus did? How is that even possible? It's intimidating. But when we begin to understand being sons and daughters of the Most High God, and we begin to realize that we've placed ourselves into a position where we're in his house, and it's available to us, that's crazy, but it's really cool. See, God wants you to have peace, and he longs for his children to live without fear. Knowing that he is in control, and as his children, we have access to all that he has. We have access to all that he has. He doesn't go, hey, as my kids, I'm going to let you, you can, you can have this little piece over here. No, he says, it's all available to you. But we got to choose. I grew up in Auburn, Washington, and where I grew up, we, my parents, when I was probably in elementary school, they built a house, and the house was kind of on the edge of our neighborhood, and so it was all woods out there. There was just like trees and dangerous stuff that you could get involved in, and I loved every minute of it. And, and it was at a time not like today. It was at a time where kids, I didn't own a bicycle helmet. I didn't know what a bicycle helmet was. Amen. I don't know that that's an amen point. <laughs> Bicycle helmets are good. I'm just saying at the time that I grew up, that was not something that I had. I lived in a time where I would go out literally and shoot BB guns at my friends. With We'd shoot at each other. We didn't have goggles. We didn't have helmets. We didn't have nothing. Like we just had, you know, mom would like, you know, kiss your elbow when you came in. And that was like, that was it. That was all you had. And we loved it. And we went and we just did stupid stuff. We, I told them last night that we even like would set traps for each other out in the woods. And I'm not talking about like little silly traps. We literally figured out how to do things where you do a string and it put like a, a, a big stump in the, in, the, in the tree. So if you click that thing, then the tr stump would fall down and we would like try and like literally hurt each other. <laughs> we were not smart kids. I get it. But I was thinking about that this week because I lived in this home and my, house, my home was amazing. My parents were amazing. My sister was okay. And uh, oh, she's good. She's good. Um, love you, Tiff. <laughs> uh, and, and we were well provided for. We, we, we always had a hot meal. We had, we had warmth. We had all the things that we would need. But my favorite thing to do was to get out of the house and to go into a place where I could either make it dangerous or at least pretend it was dangerous. So I'd play stupid games out in the woods with my friends, and they were looking back. I'm like, it's amazing that I lived, honestly. Like dumb stuff that you did, like, like setting up jumps with your bike that were completely unsafe, no helmets, all of those things. And I just have to believe that it was survival of the fittest. Like those who are about my age, those of us who, who, who are still alive, we win. Like that's, that's, that's how it works. But, but out of that, uh, I was thinking about this idea because we have everything that I had, everything that I needed 
but I would choose to go outside of it and try and make things more difficult. I think that's a lot of how we as believers live our lives. We have what we need. God gives us not only what we need, but he also, he wants to give you the desires of your heart. He wants you to be in a place where, where you can have access to all that he is and all that he has. But so many of us, because we don't really understand the benefits, we step outside of that and we live in a world that's far more dangerous, far more scary. But it's our choice. Like, I made those decisions every time that I went out, and I, and I, and I wanted to be there, and, and I think that how silly that is now. But that's how many of us live. Fear is at the heart of most sin. Fear is the thing that often will cause us to, to live outside of the walls of the kingdom that we've chosen to live inside. Fear that we're not good enough, fear that our identity is not complete, fear of rejection, Fear of others, fear of germs, fear of government, fear of death, fear of the future. So many fears, so little time. Fear will paralyze you. It will pause your dreams. It will stop your destiny. I heard somebody say that fear is false experience appearing real. And I think oftentimes that's true. We live in this what-if space that we, we allow ourselves to be paralyzed by the what-ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if... What if COVID gets worse? What if that, and, and we just start to paralyze ourselves. And most of the time, the things that we fear don't actually even come to fruition. And how much time have we wasted staying up at night worrying about something that never even ends up happening? 1 John 4, 18 says this, Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. That's a hard verse. Because it's saying if you're fearing, then you're not experiencing. If you've got fear in you, then you've not allowed room for his perfect love to come into you. So when we talk about his perfect love, his perfect love is the thing that says, listen, I want you in my kingdom. I want you in my place. I want you to be under my roof. I want you to live with me and within what I have for you. And when we do that, then all of a sudden now, when things start coming at us, we begin to realize, you know what? Those things have no authority because I'm part of the last kingdom. Every other kingdom will fall. The day will come. The day will come where there will be no more United States of America. It's just true. We know it. We read the book. So with that, what we need to understand is we cannot be fearful of what might happen. We've got to be in this place where we just trust God and say, God, I know that you have something amazing. The thing about this is, is if God is love and perfect love casts out fear, then fear is the opposite of everything that is God. And if perfect love casts out fear, then perfect fear must also cast out love. Some of us spend more time perfecting our fear than we do leaning into Jesus. So you, you may go, I'm really good at being fearful. Well, good on you. You've perfected fear, but what you've also done by perfecting fear is you've ejected God from the equation then. Because the, the word says that perfect love casts out fear. So if you're still dealing with fear, then you need to work on perfecting your love of him you got to come to a place where in the middle of your fear, and I'm preaching to me right now, so just listen in while you hear it. 
Because that's something that I do struggle with. I have fear that I struggle with. And so I've, I'm coming to a place where when those fears come, that I've got to come to a place where I go, God, you are not a God of fear. So God, I need where that fear is in me. I need you to, you need to replace that with your perfect love. Because that's the only thing that will actually cast out the fear. For many of you, we've had this conversation recently too. For many of you, it's, it's what are you putting in? If all you're listening to is COVID this, COVID that, this is hard, the, the economy's going to do this, this is happening, and, and that's all we're hearing, guess what you're filling yourself with? With fear. It's okay to be in the know to understand what's going on in our world. I'm not saying that you shouldn't know stuff, but I am saying this. Many of us spend way more time listening to things that invoke fear than we do listening to God who casts out all fear. Our society perfects our fear, and it is time for us to seek God and to let his perfect love cast out all fear. Faith like a child is important. We're going to read that verse in just a few minutes, but because within each of us, there is still a place where we live without fear. We weren't jaded, wounded, hurt, or scared. You ever see a little kid that plays, and they'll like, they'll like tie the little thing around and like they have a cape and all of a sudden they think they can fly man they're jumping off stuff and as parents you're like that is super dangerous like don't do that because we're jaded we we well maybe we're smart too but uh <laughs> but kids man when you're a kid you can just do anything they'll like they'll climb up on the roof and think they can jump off and and all of those things but as we get older, we see life and we, we begin to question and we have to calculate everything and we've got to figure everything out. And, and I'm just telling you right now that if we approach our faith like a child, all of a sudden things change. So today I want to look at a story that I find fascinating. Hunter and I actually preached this, this story a, a while ago together and I'm going to look at it from a little different angle than what we took when we preached it. Mark chapter 5 verse 2 says this, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed uh, by an evil spirit, came out of the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with chains. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, he, uh, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp, sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside of this man. This is an interesting story, and I think sometimes when we hear a story like this, we can often find ourselves treating it almost as though it's a fairy tale. We give it like the credence that we would of maybe a, a knight and a dragon kind of a story. But as you know, and I hope you understand that this book is truth from cover to cover, Amen. we've chosen to sit in a place today that believes it to be 100% true. We don't wipe things out of this because they make us uncomfortable. We don't remove pieces because we feel like it would make the book better because we're not as good of an editor as God is. 
But as we look at this story, what we need to understand, because even some of us, you may go, no, I believe that to be a true story, but it feels so far removed from us that it almost feels irrelevant to our day-to-day life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. I want you to think about this for just a moment because even this verse that I just read, I think it's kind of uh, really relevant to us today in that we live in this wireless age of technology and we are constantly connected to our devices. Wherever we are, we are connected, but oftentimes we're so disconnected from Christ. Maybe we actually do have a modern day version of living among the tombs. Zombies walk around glued to their screens, earbuds in, not, not, not acting, not working with the, with the current world that they find themselves in. They're disconnected from the reality of the here and now. Our dependence on technology is actually changing our brains. They're doing studies and finding what this next generation, what's changing inside of their brains as we continue to give them more and more screen time. We are subject to thousands of voices all wanting our attention simultaneously and often it manipulates our identity. We are one person when we're at home or another person at work. We're a different person at school. We're someone else at church and we're someone completely different on social media and we warp into the reality that we find ourselves in. So when Jesus asked this question, what is your name? Maybe if he asked you that question today, your answer would be, I am legion because I am many. I'm whoever I need to be in whatever situation I find myself in. We have to bend ourselves to try and make ourselves who we think the person that we happen to be with or the person that we're interacting with wants us to be because we don't know our identity. We don't understand who God's called us to be. The people of this town, one of the most interesting parts of this story, and it's an interesting story. If you've not read it, you need to go and read the whole story because it is, it's super cool. When, when Hunter and I preached it, one of the things that I found fascinating the last time that I looked at it was that when you're in a boat and you're coming to a shore, you have lots of options as to where you can land a boat. But Jesus says, hey, let's land there. Let's land in the tombs where a naked, crazy guy is. I love Jesus. Like, he didn't go, hey, there's a cool garden over there. Let's go land over there where it'll be nice and pleasant. No, he goes, hey, hey, there's a dude howling naked over there in chains. Let's stop over there. That seems nice, right? But as I looked at this story, one of the things that's always stood out to me is, is you know, we, we follow it. Jesus lands. The guy comes running, begs him. Why? Because Jesus has all authority, right? The thing that no one else could restrain The guy that they've chained, they've done everything they can to stop him. Nothing works. But Jesus arrives on the scene, and now all of a sudden this guy comes running and begging. If you continue the story, we're not going to read the whole thing, but as as you continue the story, you see that Jesus Jesus says to the demons, you you can go into those pigs over there. And so the, the demons are ejected into these pigs, and the pigs then run off a cliff and die. Um, you know, there's dad jokes, and then there's pastor jokes. That's always like deviled ham. That's like my favorite <laughs> pastor joke. 
same thing, whatever. <laughs> I, there had to be at least a few moans, like, just thank you, buddy. I was waiting for that. Um, thanks, Al. You too, bud. Um, so all this happens, and the amazing thing about this story is, listen to Mark chapter 5, verse 15. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, so the demons have been cast out. And they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were afraid. Think about that for a minute. Like throughout the whole story, he's running around breaking chains and and smashing stuff and howling, naked, crazy. Doesn't say anything about them being afraid. Jesus shows up says, hey, legion, you no longer live here. Here's your eviction notice. Go to the pigs. The pigs get possessed. All of a sudden, people are like, hey, those pigs all of a sudden are crazy, and they kill themselves. Wow. No words about them being afraid. What brought fear to them? The dude got dressed. (laughs) The dude gets dressed and sits there in his right mind, and now all of a sudden, all these people, ooh, that's scary. So we got to dig into that a little bit. Why would that be scary? Because when we know what we know, we get comfortable with what we know. When all of a sudden change comes to what we know, all of a sudden that can invoke fear in us. And especially when we are not serving God. So I say that to you today because what you need to understand is when we, when we put ourselves into his kingdom and we begin to believe the benefits package that I'm telling you about today, when we begin to understand that Jesus said, greater things you will do than I've done, and you and I actually start to walk that out. See, crazy things happen when we actually believe the book. Amazing things happen when we start to believe the book. But for many of us, it's uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable with that. Listen, I go to work and my coworkers are a mess and they do stupid stuff and they talk in ways that I wouldn't talk, and, and, but I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy that tries to bring change because it's what we're all familiar with. And so we're afraid of being the catalyst for change. This town is afraid Because it changed. We've known crazy, naked, demon dude. Like, we know him. Yeah, he's crazy. He doesn't do well for our property values and all that kind of stuff. But but we know him. We know what to expect. You wake up in the middle of the night, you hear howling. You know, oh, there's Phil. Crazy, naked guy. Sorry if your name's Phil. uh, That's not in my notes, so... But they knew that. Now all of a sudden it changes. In a world where where self-destructive behavior is common, people often fear change and the transformation, uh, transformative power of a savior. See, when we start talking about this stuff, and this is where like the rubber kind of hits the road because we got to go, wait a second, do we actually believe what Jesus said? Because if we believe what he said, then it actually invokes something in us. That means we need to do something with what he told us to do. And what happens then is now we start stepping into situations and everywhere we go, because we told you last week that the kingdom is not a territory. The kingdom is not a, a group of cities. 
It's not some place that we actually physically move to. The kingdom is when we say, I am going to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, then what that means is everywhere I set foot is the kingdom of God. Every place that I go, the kingdom goes with me. So now if all of a sudden I am the kingdom of God, and all of a sudden I believe what Jesus said, that he said greater things will you do than even I did, then that means when I go places, places should be changing where I go. So if they're changing when I go, then guess what happens? People start to get uncomfortable. Because we know what we know. I'm used to this. I'm used to crazy. I'm used to, I'm used to the mess. I'm used to all of these things. And so please don't come in and try and change things. But we're called to change the world. It's who we are. It's when we accept that we are citizens of the kingdom of God, our DNA changes to be a, a world changer. You see, though we don't know this man's actual name, we know that it is not Legion. He had a name assigned to him before the foundations of the world, a name that he had lost touch with. And in the midst of the darkness and the loneliness, the power of God brought back his real identity. We need to move back to a faith where we whittle down the voices and influences in our life and we begin to trust our Heavenly Father again. Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. I believe that God is calling us back to a wonder and an innocence. See, God goes beyond our ability to analyze. We overanalyze so much stuff. Like, think about it with me for a minute. As a kid, you don't analyze a bunch of stuff. You just go, that looks cool, let's do it. That's what kids do. So when Jesus says, hey, come with the faith of a child, what does that mean? It means I don't need to sit and analyze everything. Like many times, even as I, as I told you about Easter and I said, hey, invite your friends. Some of you right now, you're already analyzing. Well, if I invite that person, what will that look like? What if they say no? What if they say maybe? What if they already go to a different church? Blah, blah, blah. And you analyze and analyze and analyze and analyze. And so you never move. You're paralyzed in your analyze. You stop. But Jesus has approached me with the heart of a child, which means I believe that God is awesome. I shared this last night. And I know that uh, Diana and Mac are, are in, the, in the room today, but I talked about little Huck last night. I didn't say Huck's name, but I'm saying it today, so there you go. <laughs> Huck, a few weeks ago, got in trouble at school for talking about Jesus. I said that a few weeks ago, too, but what's happened since then? So, so Huck is at school, and he's just talking about Jesus. And I think if I, maybe I'm telling this story, I think I got it right, but... The teacher just said that, you know, he's always asking, hey, do you believe in Jesus? And kids will go, no, and he'll go, you should because he's awesome. Is that right, Tiana? Did I say that right? Yeah. And then the teacher said, hey, we can't do that. That's not allowed, which guess what? It is allowed. There's a parent-teacher conference that happened since then, and Huck can talk about his faith if he wants to. But I was thinking about that. And as a kid, what does he know? He knows, I believe in Jesus. 
And I think everybody should believe in Jesus. But as adults, we don't do that. We go, oh yeah, we think everybody should believe in Jesus, but, you know, we got to analyze this situation a little bit because we could step on somebody's toes and what if we offend somebody and blah, 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 blah. No, he's awesome. You should believe in him. He's awesome. That's incredible. Faith of a child. See, faith of a child says, hey, the book said that we can pray for the sick and they'll get healed. Yeah, but what if I go down and pray for somebody and they don't get healed and then people will think my faith isn't very strong and blah, 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 you know, and all that stuff. And we analyze it. And we analyze it. Can I tell you something that God showed me a few years back? It was this. My responsibility is to pray. His responsibility is to heal. If all of a sudden I take on what is his job, then yes, I can critique myself. Oh man, we prayed for that person. They didn't get healed. What does that say about me? It says nothing about you. You did what you were asked to do. Just do it. God is able. But often, how many, how many opportunity, opportunities have we missed out on because we are afraid of what might be? Perfect love casts out fear. So let's just love him more and trust him more and realize that he's awesome. And you, if you believe that, can do greater things than he did. Jesus wasn't set apart because of the wonders he performed. He was set apart because he was fully aware of his identity in the Father. Think about that for a moment. Jesus did amazing things, and that's really cool, and I love reading about it. But the, the, in all actuality, the reason he was set apart wasn't because of what he did. It was because he knew who he was, and he knew who his dad was. He didn't need affirmation of people because he understood his identity. See, when I talk about maybe we are legion, it's because we're constantly trying to make everybody else happy with us. I want to be popular. I want more likes. I want more people to follow me. I want all of this stuff. And reality is, if we as believers would say, you know what? I'm just going to make sure that he's happy with me. I'm going to just make sure that I'm following him. I don't care who's following me unless they're following me to him. That's the only way that's important. Throughout Scripture, we see that God refers to people as my beloved. But when God referred to Jesus as my beloved, Jesus did something incredible with it. He believed it. And that changes everything. Because he believed it. He didn't just hear it and go, okay, cool. He said, oh, I know God. I am your beloved. I am. You see me. You love me. You care for me. You're in me. You'll work through me. He believed all of that. So how is it that we in East Missoula in 2021, how could we do greater things than Jesus did? We got to believe it. We got to go, God, I believe that you do love me. I do believe that you see me. I do believe that you want to do great things through me. I believe it. Now here's the thing. I can say it from up here, but it's way harder to actually believe it. 
Like when I talk greater things, it's tough. It's tough for me to go greater. How? But I have to believe it because it's in his book. He promised it to me. So what do I do with that? How do I, how do I get around that? How do I get to that place? Because we can all say, I can have you repeat after me. I believe it. And inside you're going, not really. So what do we do? God, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Like, he can help you with the areas that you don't believe. He can step into that. In your honesty, all of a sudden you open up a space for him to come in and walk with you and say, okay, thanks for being honest. I know you don't believe it right now, but we're going to get you to the place where you understand it. Jesus was a threat because he showed us a new way to be human. Showed us a new way to live. He said, this kingdom, it's for you. It's not for someday, it's for now. Your kingdom come. Not someday. Your kingdom come. Come to me. Come to me now. God, your kingdom come to me now. Help me to be your kingdom. Help me to go and change the world. Help me to go and make a difference. And all of your excuses as to why that's not you, they're lies. The enemy's lying to you. Because if you've accepted Christ in your life and you've said yes to him and you've made the decision to follow him and to be in his kingdom, then you are his kingdom. So go, do, believe, trust, step out. Do things that feel like, I don't know how this is going to end. Like this week, my prayer for you is that you'll be, you'll be at the grocery store and you'll see somebody and the Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, that person needs prayer. And you'll go and you'll go, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but is it okay if I, it, is something going on? Can I pray with you? And here's the deal. They may say no. You won't bleed from it, I promise. You'll be fine. But what if they say yes? And what if all of a sudden while you're praying for them, tears start streaming down their eyes and they go, how did you know? And you go, God loves you. God's called me to be his kingdom. I'm, I'm here. And he loves you and he sees you and he wants to, he, and all of a sudden you change somebody's story because you stepped in. Your kingdom come, God. Your kingdom come. Change things. Use me to change things. Don't wait till you're good enough because you never will be. It's not you that's good, it's him that's good. What if his church moved from believing in Jesus to believing like Jesus? See, we can just believe in Jesus, but I'll tell you right now, Satan believes in Jesus. He's met him, and it was not a good appointment for him. So he believes in him. you got to make the decision that you're going to follow him and you're going to believe like him. And all of a sudden now, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. And we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to worry about the stuff in this world because God's called us to greater. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and open your eyes. Hey, thanks for listening. 
River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.